0: Welcome to The Q: conversations in digital media. This podcast is brought to you by Q1 Media, digital campaign execution and optimization since 2004. Our next episode is queued up and ready to roll. Thank you for listening. You're in the queue.
1: Welcome to The Q, everyone. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Q1 Media. Q1 Media partners with agencies and brands all across the nation for all their digital marketing needs. Whether it's a large agency, brand, or local agency and brand trying to enter into the digital marketing space, Q1 Media's long experience within the space can help you navigate the nuances of digital marketing. Uh, we thank you for joining the podcast today in the queue. Uh, we had a great conversation with Mike Spadier. He is the founder of Heart of the Sun, which is a full-service marketing company. But it was great getting a chance to talk to him about his background in really what was a very infant digital space in creating websites, e-commerce sites back in the late 90s. Uh, then transitioning over into some really some really new innovative video software company which he started and ended up selling and then uh, then now it, actually transitioning over to really helping build on it the uh, fitness and uh, supplement brand company and help, helping brand that company as their CMO and now kind of him transitioning back into uh, the agency side of things where he's working with a lot of different, type of brands. Uh, So that transition is kind of interesting for him as well. Uh, It was great to talk to him and we really enjoyed the conversation. We hope you do too. You're in the queue. Awesome. Well, thanks, Mike, for joining us here on the queue. Thanks, buddy. Yeah, yeah, appreciate it. So uh, I know you're, before we get into all the other stuff and get to know about you, I just, uh, I want to let everybody know that Mike is one of the uh, most whiskey aficionados that I, that I know. So I want (laughs) to ask you if if there's any new whiskeys that you've had lately, or maybe maybe what's the one you are going to right now?
0: My go to right now is uh, the well High West, which oh. is a which is a whiskey company out of Utah, makes oh. a really nice. Um, it's a blend that sounds ridiculous. It's it's bourbon, rye, and scotch, and it's called Campfire, oh. and it tastes like a campfire. And the smoky uh, feel of it. Yeah. yeah, smoky, but not like peaty, not like, yeah. like, like a LeFroig, but like, like literally, it just tastes like a campfire. Um, and it's really good. And uh, yeah, random bartender kind of turned me on to it, and I said, that sounds terrible. <laughs> And <laughs> I tried it. And now I'm in. It's really good.
1: Well, I drink it after dealing with all the marketing stuff, <laughs> or while we're doing it. Yeah, sure. <laughs> I'm sure there's a lot of people out there that do that at the yeah, same time. Yeah. Uh, so, Mike, before we get into a little bit of like, you know, what what you did in in, in the biz, and and you obviously your uh, your stuff with uh, a major brand with Onnit, mm-hmm. um, we'd love to just get to know you a little bit better. Uh, first of all, how you? You know, where are you from? You know, did was was there a certain uh, thing that kind of got you into the digital space uh, early on?
0: Yeah, so born in uh, suburbs of L.A., uh, about 20 miles east of L.A. in a little city called Covina. Um, And yeah, I mean, I've just kind of always done a version of what I do. Um, Early on, you know, I kind of like gravitated towards graphic design, Uh, on the computer, like, I remember making, like, birthday cards on, you know, the the computer once we had the printer that would print stuff out, and you could fold it up. Yeah. (laughs) Big banners and stuff, and then um, my dad had a video camera, like a a Hi8 camcorder, and then eventually I kind of figured out how to film stuff and plug it into the VCR and then do another VCR and, like, cut video back and forth with, like, pause and record, Uh, and then that kind of escalated as, you know, technology came around and figured out how you could do it on the computer and then built websites and then you know i was always doing something like that like creative kind of digital stuff and then uh as as things kind of progressed in the late 90s and early 2000s people started asking me to do stuff once they knew i could do it for for money um and then i went to college and was kind of in a normal uh you know kind of track of like communication marketing yeah like, like uh, the prerequisite stuff. What
1: college was that?
0: Uh, Cal State Fullerton, Cal State. Yeah, and kind of realized quickly that I was doing stuff that they weren't teaching yet, and I knew that this was kind of the 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 path that I was probably going to follow because I was getting paid to do this. Yeah. So it got to a point where it was like, all right, well, I'm not really sure if I'm wasting my time. I definitely wasn't interested, you know, but I figured that that's what it was, mm-hmm. like what college was. You just kind of have to get tortured like in high school and, yeah. and get to the it's end It's the next of it. step that they tell you to go do. <laughs> right, <and> right, right, right. <laughs> you just have to get through it and then, and then you get a job. But I was looking around like, well, I'm already getting paid for this, so I might as well just go all in on this. Um, so dropped out of college at some point and then just started my career. Wow. Yeah.
1: So, I mean, <laughs> instead of racking up student loan debt and... <laughs> Going, yeah <laughs> going yeah. that I mean, route. college
0: college was a lot cheaper then than it yeah, is now yeah. um, but I did I did get a little bit of debt that I eventually paid off yeah yeah, yeah. So what was your first venture I guess out of out of college? So I worked um, I worked for this company in Southern California called Active Ride Shop and I actually started as an employee when I was like 16 oh, wow. um, and it was a skateboard snowboard shop. Um, really cool shop out of, like, there was seven or eight stores when I started. Uh, probably less, probably like four or five stores, and then kind of got up to seven or eight. Just in
1: Southern California? Yeah,
0: just just Southern California. And then late 90s, early 2000s, as I was kind of turning 18, 19, that same kind of time in college, um, they started their online store. And they started to get some traction with that. And, you know, kind of the same deal. Like, oh, we heard you do things with computers. Like, <laughs> you know, see if you can come work with us. so that was where that was where i got my first like you know paid marketing gig so i i got out of the store um selling skateboards and shoes and then went to an office and then started figuring out how to uh sell things on the internet you know and so it's
1: very early on within you know an e-commerce era Uh, how did you how did you maneuver that
0: Oh, man, uh, that was before people really understood Google, you know. <laughs> so I knew, I knew at, the, at that time that almost any, I mean, way less than it is now, but almost anything that you wanted to figure out was just a few Google searches away. Mm-hmm. And so I knew the kind of basics of how to build a website. I knew um, at the time it was a Yahoo store. So I had built a Yahoo store before for a friend of mine. And that's what Active was running on. So I knew kind of the basics of it, and then I knew that anything else I could kind of figure out from yeah. from some Google searches. What year was this? Man, that's got to be 2002, 2003. Oh, okay. Yeah, Google hadn't taken over the world yet. You know, they were just starting to. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember, like... They were just starting to do the thing where they were giving away services that everyone else was paying for. Mm-hmm. You know, like AOL. My dad still was paying for AOL, right? And up until like a year ago, probably so was. Um,
1: <laughs> still the AOL.com. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> but people were, still, people were paying for email. You know, people were paying for mm-hmm. analytics. Before Google Analytics, they were paying for Omniture, like hundreds of thousands of dollars for web analytics. Um, you know, Word, Excel, all that stuff. So that was you know Google just started giving away everything, and that's when um, you know they kind of started taking things over.
1: Well, what kind of success did you see with the the online sales? What, success did you see for the
0: well, online sales? Well, you know, a lot of right place, right time. Yeah. So so. In Southern California, in the late '90s, early 2000s, anything in like skateboarding, snowboarding, surf culture was just on fire.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, Tony Hawk was still Tony Hawk at was its peak.
0: Yeah, totally. I mean, Tony Hawk's pro skater, you know, was kind of the thing that everybody was into at yeah. that point. Um, you know, all the music was like the skater punk stuff. It was Sean just, White was young. Sean like that. White <laughs> was really young. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Sean, Sean White was probably 13 or something mm-hmm. at that point, 14, and kind of setting the world on fire. Um, yeah, so right place, right time for the industry, and then right place, right time for like digital uh, e-commerce, like coming up at that at that perfect time. Um, so fortunately, you know, uh, fake it till you make it. In that in that sense, kind of worked for me. I mean, I had a you know decent foundation of what was going on, but um, I was fortunate enough to be thrown into a position where I didn't really have a ton of supervision. I had a lot of responsibility and. Um, you know, things were going well. Mm-hmm. So I got to really learn quickly. And, um, you know, I had a lot of good, like leaders in the company that were giving me a lot of leeway and confident that I knew what I was doing. Yeah. Um, jokes on them. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, well, it was, uh, you know, the company was, God I don't even know what the hell it was, but it was probably in the hundreds of thousands of dollars of revenue when I started. And then, you know, when I left in like, oh, it was, I don't know, 15-20 million or something like wow. that. So I got to see the whole thing, you know, happen. Um, and what
1: tactics? I mean, Google obviously was a big driver it sounds like, but yeah. was there another Was there display advertising that you would do to get people to the site? What would
0: Yeah, it's funny. At that point, you know, when when I got hired, my position was like, you know, online marketing specialist. And at that point, nobody even really knew what that was. Like, oh, you build websites, like sure, whatever. Yeah. Um, But, you know, my boss at the time had told me, you know, I just want you to focus on SEO. No problem. I got it down. So I ironically had to Google SEO, (laughs) right, on my first day on the job. What's a meta tag? Well, (laughs) what is search engine optimization, SEO? (laughs) Um, So I had to kind of figure that out. And so SEO was a huge driver, Um, you know, just people searching for skateboards or Mm -hmm. skateboard shoes or whatever. And Um, showing up organically with... yeah. Yeah, and then at the time though so we were doing a ton of um, uh, catalogs so we were sa- so that was another part of my job but I, w- I would send out like 750,000 catalogs across the country wow. and the catalogs would serve as like the intro to the brand to drive people to the site mm. And so we weren't doing much digital advertising. We were doing um, direct mail advertising Wow. And that was, you know, we would rent lists from other, like, direct mail companies, and we would. there was, like, data modeling companies that we would use to say, we're looking for, you know, uh, males between 14 and 22 in this region whose parents make this much or whatever. And we'd build these model lists and then send prospecting catalogs out to half the country.
1: I mean, still brands do it to this day. I know yeah. Bonobos will send you know, me some <laughs> catalog that right. tries to get me to other website. So yeah. I don't think that's really, yeah, it's it's still a good way to reach people. I think people.
0: it's probably better now than it was then. Really? To be honest with you. Yeah. 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 Because you can have just a lot more of the like story integrated into all of the pieces. Right. right? So you could follow someone around get them in the catalog, get to the site, then follow them to Facebook, Instagram, mm-hmm. everything else.
1: Yep, yeah. with the cookies and everything that's yeah, involved yeah, yeah, with yeah. it these days. Uh, so then, you know, you you worked for this company up until 2008, and then you went off and really started your own venture. Uh, tell us about that process, obviously what you learned all those years, yep. but then, then going out and kind of starting something on your own.
0: Yeah, so while I was still at Active... Um, the kind of behind-the-scenes developer dude who was really, really smart, really, really, really talented. We were working together on a lot of web projects for Active, and I was having him help me with my website for uh, my band that I was in at the time. And so we... Okay, so I'll, I'll set this up. It'll be a long, long setup. So at the time, like 2003, three four something like that, you would imagine, you know, MySpace is kind of the only game in town mm-hmm. um, for social media. No one even knows what it's called yet. zenga
1: may may have been a what Friendster. Zenga. did you
0: ever... Friendster just <laughs> friendster. went down. Yeah, like yeah, Friendster yeah. dominated the space and then couldn't keep up with demand, and MySpace just came in and cleaned their yep. clock. And so everybody was building like their MySpace page, and you could totally customize it and do whatever. And so if you were in a band at the time, that was kind of your thing. You had to have a rad MySpace page. And so when we would play music... Um, nobody really had cell phones with cameras yet, so everyone would just have, like, you know, their weird digital camera that they'd film stuff with. Anyway, so we would get all these people filming stuff, and then they'd upload it to, uh, YouTube or Vimeo or MySpace, because they had their own native video thing. Um, and so we had this issue where we would gather all these people's different, like, footage from all these different places, and then throw it on your MySpace page. And then you'd have, like, one player that was this size, and one that was that size, and purple one and a blue one and it just looked like crap yeah so i talked to um my friend sean at active and i was like could we build a thing that is able to take all these different videos and put them into one player you know so you could have almost like you remember the old ipad or ipods when you would shuffle like those covers yeah so we built it based to look like that so you could take you could go to the site you could drop in like a url of a video uh, from any video site at the time. There was like 100 different sites that we mm-hmm. were uh, compatible with. You could drop it in there and you could build a playlist out of all the different videos. And it would sit in one nice little player, you know, and so you could skin it however you wanted, color however you wanted, and it would fit in with your design. And, you know, a super niche, like, product. It was, like, very specific. Like, I wish there was a thing that did this. Yeah. And then we built it. And it was awesome. And it worked really, really well. And we started kind of getting people's attention. It was like, hey, where'd that come from? How'd you do that? Whatever. Um, and then I started kind of reaching out to people, saying like, hey, check this thing out. What do you think about it? And within you know a couple months of doing that, we got a ton of press. Um, you know, it was written up about in TechCrunch. It was written wow. up on like Lifehacker, uh, PC World, like all kinds of things. So we were just like couple of you know we did this like on our spare time and weren't expecting anything then everyone started using it um so it was cool and uh you know it was one of those deals like do we go all in on this thing do how far do we push this we still have day jobs like um ultimately we i don't know worked it for a couple of years kind of on the side trying to you know pick up some cash here and there, and then sold it to somebody who wanted to buy it
1: that's good yeah it
0: was
1: cool (laughs) well the uh process of that too is you'd like pretty much pr was you didn't even Mm -hmm. put anything towards that it's just
0: organically word of mouth,
1: I guess you could say?
0: Well, I learned a ton about sort of outreach and PR through that whole thing. Because at the time, you know, we sat around and we're like, well, who could benefit from this? I'm like almost anybody. Because at that point, you know, YouTube was not YouTube. YouTube was just one of the sea of video things out there. Mm-hmm. So we made it compatible with like 100 different, I don't even remember how many different or the names of them, but there was 100 different video sites that it worked with. And so, you know, a couple of people like picked up on it. Um, I remember like Ford, the, oh, wow. the car company, used it on like some campaign that they were using. And then more and more people just started using it. And you know, then then I said, well, let me reach out. And I, so what I did was I would use each one of those hits to go a, a ring up, right? So once Ford used it, then I would then I reached out to like Lifehacker. I right. said, Hey, check this thing out. Just want to let you know we built this tool. I think you guys would love it. Check it out. Oh, and by the way, Ford used it. And so then they go, wow, that's really cool. And then they write a thing. And then I go, hey, TechCrunch, check out this thing that Lifehacker just wrote about. You know, they featured us over here, and Ford's using it, and, you know, Lifehacker. So then TechCrunch would say, featured in, uh, you know, Lifehacker and Ford. It's like
1: a web yeah, of, and, of, yeah, of and, that's, just and that's what it is. Content. Right? Awesome. Yeah. That's right.
0: Because at the time, and, you know, still today, but every one of these sites, I was in the same position at Active. We had our own content site. And so I knew, I was like, everyone wakes up in the morning with their content team saying, what are we going to put up on the site? So I knew, well, if we can give them something that's worth mentioning, they'll gladly do it. Um, so I just started reaching out to everybody, and then everybody started talking about
1: it. What type of scale do you know, like, at the point of when you sold, that how many you know users were?
0: You know, it wasn't ever anything that was going to be game-changing or, uh, you know... Um, make us millionaires or anything. Yeah. It was so niche, and it was so, like, specific. I think at the best part, you know, we might have we might have had 20,000 people a day or something wow. using the site and building playlists. Um, but, you know, over time, two things started working against us. One, YouTube kind of just took over. Yeah. So it was less important to have all these different platforms making a playlist. Two, YouTube came out with a playlist. They didn't have playlists at the time, like... They just, it was an innovative thing. It was like, what if we throw a bunch of videos in one little square? Uh, and then three, uh, Flash went away. Like, people stopped using Flash with the, new, with the iPhone. So at the time, the whole thing was built in Flash. Videos were Flash videos. They were in the Flash player. Um, and so, you know, now people started buying iPhones 07-ish and 08, or yeah, 08, and Flash wasn't compatible. And, no. you know, Steve Jobs made that big announcement that he just, we're not going to work with Flash. So the writing was kind of on the wall, you know, <laughs> so we kind of, the decision was, do we rebuild this entire thing for, you know, HTML5 yeah. or do we kind of cut baits? So
1: oh. You got it at the right time then.
0: <laughs> yeah, probably a little too late. I think I think yeah. we, we probably should have, I mean, if, you know, if we knew where it was going to go, yeah. we would have got out probably a year and a half before that. Um, but yeah, we made a couple of bucks. It was, it was yeah, worth it's it. Good. It was
1: great. Um, And then, I guess, you know, you transition uh, from that, and then you go into work with um, what is now a a major brand um, on it. And for those of you who don't know, it's a supplement company, but started that way, um, you know, with many different, you know, type of wellness, fitness supplements, Mm -hmm. but then moved into um, just really general what they call human optimization. Um, so you started there in what, 2013, 2012?
0: Uh, well, I mean, it goes back a little further than that. Mm -hmm. So I knew Aubrey and the CEO and he had asked me in probably 2010, Mm -hmm. 2011, if I was interested in helping him with this project, uh, to help build his website. So I put together kind of the initial wireframe of what I thought, you know, his idea could look like and how it could function and everything. And then it was, you know, given off to a a really talented designer friend of mine who designed it, and then another really talented developer guy who developed the site. And, you know, that's somewhere around end of 2010, and, you know, there's no money coming in from on it at that point. It just (coughs) launched a company. And so Mm -hmm. I took a job in L.A. uh, with a web hosting company, and then, I don't know, maybe eight months after that or something, nine months into that job, Aubrey kind of reached out to me and said... uh, the company's starting to take off. I need some help. Would you come back to Austin? And um, those two friends of mine that that developed the site and designed the site were with him at that point. So I was like, that's kind of tempting, but I'm back in LA, where I'm from. Um, I had just moved back to LA. You know, around my friends and family, I got a really cool apartment right on the beach. I mean, like I'd wake up in the morning and see, <laughs> um, you know, j- the ocean, and then oh. when I go to bed every night, I'd see, I'd see the the uh, Sunsetting on the water. It was amazing. Um, and I was like, "Yeah, I'm not really sure if it's time to move back yet." And uh, what
1: capacity was he wanting you
0: he, over? For? It was just kind of. It was kind of very like vague. It was yeah. just like, "I need some help." You know, come back. I was like, "Eh, <laughs> not not quite right." You know. And so then maybe like six months after that, he reached out again, and he was like, "I really need you to come back. Things are doing really well. Um, come out for our Christmas party." and just see what's going on. I was like, can I bring my uh, girlfriend? he lured you in. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, <laughs> uh, I have, can I bring my girlfriend? And he said, sure, we'll fly you both out. So I said, all right. What's the worst that could happen? Go see Austin again and, you know, have some fun. So we came out, and that was, I think, you know, end of November or something, 2012. Saw the whole operation and then really kind of caught the vibe. And there was, like, something, like, palpable happening within the, the walls, and there was maybe like you know twelve people at the company or something like that at that point, point. and so I was like, okay, there's something happening here. Uh, you could feel it. You could see that the energy was like really good, and there was this wave, you know, about to about to form. And so, um, you know, I told I got some really good advice um, from someone I knew that said, you know, if it's if it's a tough decision to go back, make it uh, make him an offer that makes it an easy decision. I was like, okay, that makes a ton of sense. So (laughs) I emailed him, and I said, give me this, this, and this, and I'm there. And he said, okay. (laughs) And so that was that. And so I moved back, and... Oh, At least we so weren't
1: right. moving to like Lubbock, you know.
0: <laughs> it was it that was offer, a, a, that offer would have been even yeah, juicier. Yeah, you would be like <laughs> actually,
1: I need twice that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, well, so and then you started this company, you know, it hadn't yet taken off. Yep. How? What's the process in, to get the engine running and getting it to to where it eventually? Yeah.
0: Created? Um. You know. Again, I I, I want to say probably right place, right time on a few different things in my life, and and this was another one of those. Um, you know, the company had, at that point, like you said, just been a supplement brand. Mm-hmm. And supplements, if anyone, you know, is familiar with them, have kind of a, a stigma around them. There's there's a lot of uh, bad PR, bad press, bad companies out there that just kind of put junk out there. And, you know, once, once you read an article about ginkgo biloba being complete BS and not really working at all towards memory, and, and then you read another article about, you know... Uh, supplement or a multivitamin that comes out in CVS that turns out to be like completely full of sawdust or something yeah you know know, a lot of people think that uh the whole industry is kind of fish oil and 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 bs so that was kind of the first big hurdle for us was all right well we've got these vitamins these supplements that are out there that are all natural and you know for the most part don't necessarily it's not like caffeine where you take it and you're like oh my god my brain's on fire you know it's very subtle and more like you know natural or organic kind of like oh today was a little bit sharper like okay cool or or even like the athletic performance supplements where it's like i feel like i did a little bit better today but not like a boost of you know Mm -hmm. caffeine or or or, you know some other stimulant so we had to figure out how we could be bigger than that right be bigger than supplements be bigger than health and fitness Mm -hmm. uh and so we, we kind of we swam towards lifestyle, and that was early. And you know everyone kind of says that now, like oh we're a lifestyle brand, lifestyle brand. But we swam towards that and really put a ton of effort and a ton of attention into content, you know. And so content related to health and fitness, um, diet, exercise, uh, you know, well being, just mental health, all kinds of stuff and you know the the value of that content was a good exchange for people to get in the boat and say like i trust you right and so that's a long play you have to you have to do that for a long time before people start to say okay i trust you on this thing Mm -hmm. so i'm going to trust you on this thing over here and were you
1: putting that content just on the website or
0: was there everywhere we could yeah so so you know we would do everything we could on our own website um Aubrey would have, you know, started his podcast, or or the On It podcast at the time. We'd have experts in health and fitness come out there. He would go on other people's shows. We would start to advertise on podcasts everywhere that we could and then sort of get that message out there. Um, And then, like, content that we would create around video, um, uh, photography, just cool design, media, just everything that we could to attract more attention and then it would almost be you know sort of the last thing people would would figure out was oh supplements Mm -hmm. you know it was it was like what is this cool company what is this cool brand or you know t-shirts we were huge in t-shirts just because of our really talented graphic designers and artists and so they would make these amazing beautiful designs put them on shirts and then people start wearing the shirts and then figure out after oh what is this brand it's they make supplements like that's weird so yep. really
1: you're you're casting a wide net yeah. I mean people might find you right through the t-shirt and go oh wow that was like yep now they do this and I'm interested in this because I you know work out three or four times a week That's and right. I might need a little bit of a boost shroom tech or yep, <laughs> yep. whatever it is yep. um, so I guess it, when you're talking about the supplements and having to educate people there is a stigma there is that like oh it's just a placebo effect Um you know, what, what would you say was your flagship product and I guess what type of, you know, success, or what type of growth did you see over a period
0: of time? Yeah, I mean, Alpha Brain was for sure the flagship. Mm-hmm. So that's a nootropic. It was an all-natural nootropic that just helps you kind of fire up your brain, get sharper. And It's not necessarily know. a fitness, like... Mm, I, you know, it was loosely tied to fitness because if you're you know, if your mental uh, game is on point, then your physical game mm-hmm. is on point. And you can't really have one without the other. So we kind of would tie it to that. But well, we'd also just tie it to, you know, professionals or students or anyone that just needed to, to be sharper. Um, that was the flagship... You know, and then we had Joe Rogan as kind of the the main brand ambassador, and so he would talk about everything um, that we were doing specifically. On how did that get involved with? Aubrey was friends with Joe, okay. you know, and they had they had uh, similar interests and had kind of talked over the years about uh, nootropics and how you know it was a category that was emerging, and mm-hmm. they were both really interested in it, and then they kind of just said, "Let's see what we can come up with on our own."
1: Is that a challenge to work with like big name brands or? I mean, it's obviously yeah. a beneficial thing to the company to have yeah. somebody who's that big to talk about it. But right. is it a challenge from the marketing standpoint to go, okay, well, we got these big brands we have to worry about, or you, you know, know uh, besides uh, our brand?
0: Yeah, I mean, somewhat. Not so much with Joe because yeah. there's there's definitely like a level of celebrity or a level of brand or whatever where you want to you know make sure that they say uh, what you need them to say about your brand. Right? and then you need to kind of control it and you need to say, eh, don't say this, don't, don't do that and, mm-hmm. you know, and not a ton of people that you're working with in that celebrity space have a microphone, you know, literally or figuratively that can reach as many people as Joe could mm-hmm. and not too many people have that opportunity to weave a story into what they do every day you know? and so that was Joe's kind of unique place with us and so because he had that microphone, and again, right place, right time, podcast just starting to take off, his show kind of at the forefront, um, and him being such a good you know, host, mm-hmm. such a good like talker, such a good... Um, Naturally weaves that yeah, into the conversation, yeah. and so, and so uses the product. That's right. Yeah. So because he used it, loved it, and had that microphone, we didn't have to tell him anything. Yeah, you know, maybe legal a few times, like yeah, you can't really say that or whatever. Um, <laughs> Joe,
1: don't go too far, right, right.
0: <laughs> but for the most part, it's like it's like Joe <laughs> talk about your experience with Alpha Brain, and mm-hmm. we cannot write anything that will come close to that. Yeah, you know, and so yeah, but you know, for other celebrities and stuff, it's more finicky and more kind of.
1: You got to make sure you have a script and just yeah, the, the and then that kind of uh, kills the whole thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, well, this wants to be the more natural supplement, you know? right, so, right? Right. Uh, so then, with within that, you know, the company starts to roll. It starts to, you know, like you said, open up. Uh, you know, whether it's t-shirts, maybe even more fitness stuff. You know, once you started to get to that point, mm-hmm. what were the challenges, and maybe what approaches did you take marketing wise? Yep to maybe really help, you know, sustain it and then obviously keep growing year over year?
0: Yeah, uh, man, that's uh, that's a really tough one. So, so, you know, when you're in a position where your performance is tied to how well the company is doing, you know, you start to kind of make decisions based on the bottom line, mm-hmm. right? And so then... You have this weird balance of I need to drive more sales, but at the cost of what, right? And so, and especially if you're if you're on that, you know, initial hockey stick growth curve at a company where last year we were fifty percent up, this year we're sixty percent up, you know, and then you get to the point where maybe the fourth year it's only thirty percent up, Uh-oh. you know. Now people start looking around like, well, Hakam, it's not sixty anymore, right? Like, well. Maybe no one wants to say it, yeah. but maybe we're getting to a point of saturation. Maybe yeah. we're getting to a point where, like that, insane growth isn't uh, sustainable. You know, and that's okay. Maybe we've—I don't want to say we've topped out, but maybe we've slowed. Right. So let's focus on how we can get that next ten percent. You know, but
1: in the marketing world, yeah. like you said, that's yeah. not—that's yeah. not something you that's can say, and everybody listening's like, "Yep, I've been right there in your yeah, shoes before."
0: That's—that's that's not something anyone. Is comfortable saying, let alone you know you don't want you don't want to bring that up in a room full of, um, you know your peers in like the ops department or the finance department mm-hmm. or, or you know the CEO or anything. Yeah. you don't want to even remotely bring up the the fact that maybe we're starting to plateau because you're the guy who's supposed to keep things going. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have to get creative. You know you have to you have to really balance the the um, uh, you know, the integrity of the brand and what got you there and what people love about you um, with sort of these, you know, increasing business demands. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we pulled a few rabbits out of our hat to to continue the growth for a few years. Um, and then, you know, swimming towards what I know and what worked, how else do we kind of diversify this thing to, to broaden it outside of, you know, we started in supplements, how did we get out of supplements into general health and fitness we went towards Mm -hmm. equipment then how do we go towards lifestyle we went towards more like you know apparel and content uh and so the next step was all right how do we get outside of that and so in like 2015-ish 2014 2015 you know um really starting to see kind of nerd pop culture take over uh you know and it's kind of something i'm into anyway but We were seeing all of these, you know, co-branded things happening with Marvel and Disney and Mm -hmm. Star Wars and stuff like that. And so we were like, well, if we can get, you know, this target market that's not necessarily in health and fitness, um, but it's very, you know, desirable target market, If we can get them interested in health and fitness because of some sort of collaboration. I'm sure there's a huge potential for a new audience there. So um, using some of those skills, I figured out with Embedder how to reach out. Um, yeah,
1: how was that process of reaching out to, to Skywalker Disney, yeah. and Disney? Well, well so like at the time, it, yeah. was it was it Disney at the time?
0: It was. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Recently. So yeah. So at the time, um, our creative director and myself were big Star Wars fans, and we wanted to te- do something with Star Wars.
1: And so, those of you don't know who not familiar with the Onet brand, basically, you guys are able to create, you know, kettlebells right. in the uh, Bubba Fett. You know, right. face or the stormtrooper face. Yeah, we got kind of um,
0: we got kind of well known for like these custom sculpted artistic kettlebells. Yeah, bells. Yeah. Um, yeah. So so we wanted to do something with Star Wars, mm-hmm. um, but we couldn't get through to Star Wars. Could Lucasfilm, the, the <laughs> company that owns. Uh, Big Star surprise. Wars. <laughs> right. I mean, we couldn't just couldn't get anyone yeah. to write back. Yeah. Um, so kept trying, kept trying. Finally got through to someone at um, the merchandising or licensing department at at Marvel right and you know I'll take Marvel for sure (laughs) it wasn't it wasn't a consolation prize it was like oh sweet let's go with them Um, and so we ended up doing this really cool Iron Man kettlebell you know after lots and lots of back and forth with those guys and months and months of painful negotiations and all that stuff finally we were able to launch that and then we launched um, the Captain America shield like bumper plates for, for barbells and then once we got those out there we got a ton of press around that and then uh, Star Wars called, and they said, "Hey, can we do something like that?" I said, All right. Wow. So it was a total long, yeah. total flip. It was a long, <laughs> long process, but the outcome was exactly what we wanted.
1: So, what did you have to promote that? I mean, what did was it pretty much just PR at that point, or did you think? okay, well, let's do Facebook, let's do display. I mean, what mm-hmm. you know, type of tactics were you taking to help promote that stuff?
0: So similar, again, to the Embedder thing, where it's like if you can get one person or entity or brand or whatever at the mm-hmm. top of the, the food chain to start talking about it, we knew if we could get some stuff up there, it would just kind of flow to everyone else. Mm-hmm. So And, you know, luckily when you're working with brands like Marvel, Star Wars, stuff like that,
1: you're reaching for the top.
0: You're reaching, well, well, and, and people are looking for that content, mm-hmm. right? So all of these media outlet brands that are, you know, like I said, at that, at that point, the, the nerd culture is really starting to kind of peak. And so they're all, everyone's trying to talk about it. Everyone's trying to, you know, do the next article about whatever this thing that's happening is. Mm-hmm. And so it was, I mean, it was fish in a barrel to get anyone to talk about that stuff. Our PR firm at the time was just like, you know having some of their their biggest successes ever and it's like yeah you're welcome <laughs> you know uh,
1: you're taking all the credit for this yeah. when well, this was you know all internal i don't want to take anything away from those guys yeah, are, yeah, those yeah guys yeah, are awesome yeah. they're good friends no of mine. i know
0: um but yeah it's, it's easy to do and then we did do a ton of media though a ton of um you know facebook ads instagram ads youtube stuff um but yeah it was uh it was really cool it was yeah. probably the longest project I've been a part of and the most kind of fulfilling. And so you get to that area where, you
1: know, you're kind of at the top of the food chain. Yep. Um, and then you are like, well, you know, what other adventures do I want to go roll in? Mm-hmm. And so you just started your own agency, now working with mul- multiple brands. Yep. Um, and uh, it's Heart of the Sun, obviously right here in Austin, but you, uh, what's been probably... The biggest difference from obviously being inside a brand mm-hmm. and then now working with brands um, on the, on the uh, so to speak,
0: agency, yep. you know, um,
1: fulfillment side of things.
0: <laughs> uh, man, it's night and day. Um, <laughs> you know, I thought, I thought I was leaving a place where I had a boss to be my own boss, but it turns out I've got 20 bosses now. Um, you know, every client is a boss. Um, I went from a place where every two weeks a paycheck showed up to if I decide not to work, I might not get a paycheck <laughs> right <laughs> right um, And yeah, I mean it's it, it, you eat what you kill at mm-hmm. this point. And so those those have been the biggest adjustment, but it's cool it's a, it's a it's a fun like new experience that you kind of have to figure out right um, you know and then navigating a little bit around, when you talk to a client and they look at your past successes or your past clients or your past projects and they go do that for me. And that's, you know, early in the, in the agency, it's like, okay, cool. You know, let's, let's figure it out. Um, now that's a red flag. You know, when someone goes, can you do that for me? Um, I usually stop right there and go, no, <laughs> that's, that was them. Mm-hmm. You are these guys and there's nothing against either one of you. It's just that every company is going to be completely different completely different set of challenges, completely different products, completely different audience, and to presume that you can be that thing or have that success or whatever, uh, it's, it's, it's all about managing expectations. Yeah. yeah.
1: And that's got, I mean, you know, in terms of what you're doing now, mm-hmm. is within the digital space, what have you learned and like gone, okay, well, people are asking for this, you yeah. know? And you were on the side of where, hey, we're gonna make decisions. And now you're having people come to you and go, hey, what's this connected TV thing? Or what's this OTT thing? Or what's this new shiny object? And you're like, having to educate people. Like, what new thing are, are most of your clients trying to like, do right now?
0: Yeah. Um, you know, The biggest thing is this realization that everyone's having of how come my Facebook or how come my Instagram or how come my YouTube uh, reach isn't what it used to be? And so then we have to have this familiar conversation of, well, all of these brands are basically signaling that, you know, under the guise of uh, better content that is going to be shared by humans and less branded content, um, they're signaling that if you're a brand and you want to play in this space, you're going to have to start paying for it. And it's it's all under the guise of, you know, better for the end user. My opinion is they understand that brands have budget, they know that they can get a couple of bucks out of brands, so they are going to make them pay for it, right? right? So it's it's just TV at this point. You can't presume to get your ad out on broadcast TV or cable TV or whatever without paying for it. They know they've got the eyeballs, if not more. So uh, they make you pay for it. So we have these conversations with brands all the time where they're saying, you know, how do we get this like it used to be? Or how come my competitors got this many likes, shares, follows, whatever? Um, and so then we have to kind of, you know, put together the the strategy of how to use these channels to get the brand's uh, message out there. And really, you know, keeping up with that, keeping up with what Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, those guys are giving you and what they're not giving you, what's changing, what's going away, uh, and Google. And um, keeping up with that and, and creatively always coming up with, like, the roadmap from from a uh, brand new user from brand awareness standpoint all the way down at the bottom of the funnel to someone who's ready to buy um, that is the thing yeah <laughs> you know you, you said tactically like uh, you know connected TV or mobile or, or, or whatever it does all of those are the tactics hmm it's literally just the same problem like how do I get my stuff in front of people yeah and
1: with the most cost-effective way, <laughs> right? Obviously, how do I return? How, how do I do
0: it where I can show some sort of measurable results? Yeah. yeah.
1: And do you feel there's? I mean, you've you've been working with these brands for a little while now. Do you feel there's a transition to digital, or I mean, are people mostly caught up? I know you've been in it pretty much your entire uh, career, but are these brands? like, I'm more accustomed to it these days, I guess, rather than, I mean, are they, are they still thinking brand, are they still thinking outdoor advertising or whatever, mm-hmm. um, or are they looking to digital to help build a brand?
0: It's it's weird because, you know, the, only the more sophisticated, mature brands even think of out-of-home stuff mm-hmm. or display stuff outside of the computer, because if you think about it, it's so accessible for people to just jump right in and start buying ads on Facebook and Instagram and YouTube um, that... It's, you know, it's the, the earlier stage companies that are only digital, you know, and then at some point you get to the point where you have to start expanding your efforts, like I was saying, when you get to that that plateau growth period where you have to like squeeze out every single bit of it. Um, but yeah, I mean, everybody's kind of, they're either in digital or they know that it's the place to be, they're splashing around in it, yeah. or they know that they need help.
1: Yeah. Well, it's changing, uh, but yeah, I guess if anything, uh, with the digital media space, as you've you've known, it's it's going to change. <laughs> There's gonna yeah. be Facebook changes these next few years too, especially with what happened with them last year, and and who knows, maybe some regulation will start to, to come down, some GDPR, you know, restraints on all those yeah. and, and the data that's involved. I think that's something that, you know, with clients, you give them. Little little bits of data, you know, like Google Analytics, and you got all this massive massive portion of data coming through, um, and now they're able to target people based on this data. Right. So I think that's, you know, people are more educated with it, but then also there's definitely, um, you know, kind of a, a double edged sword there.
0: Yeah, definitely. Yeah. <laughs>
1: um, well, awesome. Ed, thanks for joining us here on the queue, Mike. Honestly, this has been great. Um, I guess if there's anything else you want to add about Heart of the Sun, you know, we got uh, got some time.
0: Yeah, just uh, if you're interested in any kind of digital marketing help or or branding or uh, any kind of consulting whatsoever, strategy, check us out, heartofthesun.co. Cool. Drop us a line.
1: Awesome. Well, thanks for joining us here on The queue, Mike.
0: Thanks, man. Thanks for having me.